Um, okay, Mark chapter 7, starting at verse 24 and going through to verse 30. So Mark chapter 7, 24 to 30. And from there he rose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile and Syrophician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And she said to her, he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way, and the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Jared, and I'm the pastor here at High Wycombe Church. Lovely to see you all this morning. Uh, please join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can gather this morning and we can uh, be here in this, uh, in this church that's part of your big global church. We thank you that uh, you give us the privilege of being in your family, of getting to know one another, and uh, even more than that, getting to know you. Lord, help us this morning as we read your word and help me to preach it faithfully and clearly uh, that your name will be glorified. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, so we're going to start by talking about entitlement this morning. Is that something that everyone's heard of? Yep. Um, so what do I mean by entitlement? Well, it's, it's the belief that I have the right to something that maybe I actually don't. Uh, insisting that I deserve something that I don't really deserve or um, wanting something that isn't really mine. And um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but as I've, as I've been uh, like thinking about this, I've, I've, I've realized that over the past few years, entitlement is something that gets spoken about a lot more. Um, one of the ways in which this particularly gets spoken about is uh, with sort of finger pointing, particularly at different generations. Uh, so... Here are some headlines for you from, uh, from various uh, publications, starting with Time Magazine, Millennials, the me, me, me generation. Millennials are lazy, entitled narcissists who still live with their parents. <laughs> and, then, and then the next bit they put there is why they'll save us, <laughs> which, is a, which is a bit weird. Anyway, the independent Baby boomers more entitled than millennials, says study. <laughs> I wonder who did that study. <laughs> Forbes, Generation Y and Z, empowered or entitled? Psychology Today, are millennials more than, than an entitled generation? <laughs> Which is, that's pretty harsh. Um, but as, as you look at these things and you realize there's a lot of finger pointing going on between the different generations, uh, people labeling one another as entitled, it's starting to look like it's more than just a generational problem, isn't it? This isn't just one generation's issue. Uh, and it's, it's a problem that actually we all have. It's a human problem and uh, one that we may be able to see more clearly in others, but one that we all have nevertheless. Today, we're going to meet a woman who comes to Jesus in a way that is not entitled at all. She comes to him as a beggar, ready with open hands, ready to receive the gift that he is going to give her. 
And we see that uh, the pattern in which she comes to Jesus is to be the pattern in which we come to him as well. So we pick up uh, with Jesus' fame uh, continuing to grow. Again, in this passage, Mark doesn't use the name Jesus, but we know it's Jesus uh, because who else would he be talking about? Everyone knows who this man Jesus is. He goes to the faraway region of Tyre and Sidon, and they still know who he is. Uh, he's, he's going into this house, um, and he doesn't want anyone to know, yet he can't be hidden. He is so well known that Jesus enters this house in this far-flung region, and everyone knows who he is. He can't be hidden. And uh, in typical Mark style, he tells us immediately, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came down and fell at his feet. She comes straight to Jesus. Uh, she, this, is, this is Gentile territory. This is a Gentile woman, a Syrophoenician, not an Israelite, but someone else. And she comes to Jesus begging, begging him to cast the demon out of her, out of her little daughter. So we see here uh, that Jesus is far in a faraway place, but the people still know who he is. So you've got to think about how well-known Jesus is becoming by this point. Uh, he's been telling people to, to be quiet when he does miracles at various times. And, and the word is just spreading and spreading and spreading. People from all over the place know who he is. And it's not like today where, you know, you'd post it on TikTok and everyone around the world would know who he is. This is spreading by word of mouth, remember. The people are telling one another about Jesus. This is Jesus. He healed people. He's, he saved people. And the word is spreading and spreading. And so we see this lady have this interaction with Jesus and she comes to him, coming to him as a beggar, begging Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. And what does Jesus say to her? And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, that sounds like pretty enigmatic to us. Like, what, what's, what metaphor is, is he using here? Uh, well, to explain it a little bit, we'll, we'll have to think about what these different words that he's using represent. So he says, uh, the children, uh, that's talking about the, the people of Israel. So God had his chosen people in the Old Testament the people of Israel, and um, they had received special privileges uh, by being his people in the Old Testament. The prophets came to them, they, they, they spoke uh, to them, uh, the, the prophets were, were Israelites, and, and they had this special relationship with God back in the Old Testament. And so, uh, they, they were God's chosen people, his treasured possession, and they'd received all of these promises, these promises of a coming Savior. So, in the Old Testament, they were all looking forward to the coming Savior, who is, of course, the Lord Jesus. And so, uh, Jesus is saying, it's not right to take the children's bread, so that is the people of Israel's bread. Uh, what is their bread? Well, it's, it's the, the, the message, uh, the, the, the message that they've been given of, of the promised uh, Savior, and throw it to the dogs. And who are the dogs? Well, that's the way that the, in the first century people used to describe the Gentiles. Um, so now it sounds even harsher than when we first began. <laughs> um, but but uh, we, we see here what Jesus is saying fits with what the Bible says elsewhere. It's not that salvation isn't for the Gentiles, but it's how salvation is first for the Jews, then the Gentiles. So Romans 1.16 says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
So uh, I think our 21st century entitled nature makes us feel like, how could God choose the Jews and not us? Um, but, but the amazing thing is that God uh, first chose them completely out of his grace. And then in his, in his love, he's extended that to include people like us who, who aren't Jewish. Or if you are Jewish, you know, uh, also included not because of, of our, our lineage, our heritage, but because of our connection to the Lord Jesus. What we see in this lady's reply is her complete lack of entitlement. She, she doesn't insist on her own way. She doesn't think, I deserve this. You owe this to me. Why don't you, why are you, you know, being like calling me a dog or, you know, she, 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 doesn't, she doesn't insist on her rights or anything like that. And if you imagine what life would have been like for her, uh, it would have been tough. She's a, she's a woman with a, with a little daughter who has an unclean spirit. Uh, she's living in a, in, a, in a faraway region away from Israel. She's not enjoying the benefits that the people of Israel did. Um, and she, she has this daughter whom she's caring for, her daughter who is oppressed by a demon. And um, so you can see how, how she's in a difficult situation. But she comes to Jesus without insisting upon any rights she may think she has, becoming as a beggar. She says to Jesus these words, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. So what she's saying there is even the Gentiles receive the message of Jesus, the Savior, which some of the Israelites have rejected. So remember at the beginning of this, of this chapter, we were looking at the Pharisees last week and how they were sort of insisting on their own way, insisting on their rights, um, they, they viewed themselves as the in crowd and everyone else as the out crowd. Uh, but the, the thing that this lady does here is she recognizes that she comes to Jesus as a beggar with open hands. Uh, she's not saying, I, I'm, I'm good enough, you know, this is, this is because I've earned my way or I'm special or whatever. She's coming to Jesus ready to receive the gift that he's offering her. And Jesus says, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And when she, when she went to find her, she was just as Jesus said. We see some amazing things about, about this lady and the, the example she gives us. She, her posture before Jesus. Um, she's on the floor at his feet. Uh, that, that's, that's a position of begging, isn't it? On the floor at the feet of Jesus. Uh, she, she doesn't even stand in his presence. She comes before him at his feet. We see her request of Jesus begging for him to heal her daughter. And we see her response to Jesus, her appeal for mercy rather than an insistence upon rights. Uh, the passage uh, contrasts so greatly with the one that went before it, uh, in direct contrast to the Pharisees who were entitled and insisted upon their status and what they deserved. The Syrophoenician lady is humble before Jesus. She recognizes that she doesn't have anything to bring him. Uh, she doesn't insist upon getting what she deserves. And instead, she pleads for Jesus to be merciful to her and to her daughter. And he is. Jesus is merciful. And it's a beautiful example of, of the right posture before Jesus for all of us. Um, whether, whether today is the first that you're hearing about Jesus uh, and the message of salvation in him, or whether you've been walking with him for many years, the posture we need to have before him never changes. We come before him as beggars, 
ready to receive the gift of salvation. The Bible says this, the wages of sin is death. Uh, That's what we deserve for rejecting God. Uh, The giver of life is his just condemnation in hell. So can you see the danger of entitlement before the holy, perfect God? If we want to insist on getting what we deserve, that's only going to end being under God's judgment. And, and that's the way of the Pharisees, isn't it? They, they, they're pleading their own righteousness, exalting themselves. Um, and Jesus tells us elsewhere that those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's dangerous to ask God to judge us fairly for what we've done. We must never do that. We need to ask God to judge us fairly, but not based on our account, but based on Jesus. Uh, that verse I read about the wages of sin is death, The same verse continues on. It says these words, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God offers as a free gift life forever in Jesus. We don't pay for it. It's free. We could never earn this. It's a gift. But God paid for it. Jesus himself died on a cross to pay for this, and he offers that gift to us freely now the lady in in this passage her her daughter uh was was suffering from from spiritual oppression she was oppressed by demons and uh, she needed uh uh, to be rescued from that and jesus graciously uh, does that he speaks and he casts out the demon remotely we need a spiritual salvation we all do we're not all oppressed by demons uh and um, many of us aren't i don't know of anyone here who is but but the, uh, the amazing thing is that we, we actually all need uh, spiritual salvation, don't we? And it's interesting when you think about the word salvation, it's not something you can do for yourself. It's something that you need someone else to do for you, that we, we all need someone else to do for us. And so I was reflecting upon this this week, thinking about what does it mean that salvation is a gift, that it's something that's been given to us? Well... It means that we could never earn it. And it means that there is a giver. And as we come closer to Christmas, we start to think about Jesus coming to earth uh, first, of him, of him leaving heaven and coming down to this earth that he created to walk amongst us, to live amongst us. And we think, wow, what a gift that is. First and foremost, that God would come and walk among us, taking on flesh, becoming a human like us and living amongst us. That's a gift. And then we think that Jesus lives the perfect life that we could never live. He fulfills the law perfectly. And then Jesus goes to the cross. He goes to the cross to die, to pay a debt that he did not owe for a people who owed a debt that we could never repay. You see, Jesus died a death that he didn't deserve so that we could be spared the death that we do deserve. So the first thing about this gift is we need to ask ourselves, have I received this gift? Have I received this gift? Maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus. Maybe this is your first time in church. Maybe you're still trying to work out who Jesus is. Um, maybe, Maybe someone's brought you along this morning. Well, this is what we all need to receive this gift from Jesus, to humble ourselves Uh, to lay aside our entitlement and our feelings of what we deserve 
and come and ask Jesus to give us not what we deserve, but what he's freely offering. Mercy, grace, salvation, forgiveness. Just like the Syrophoenician woman who came with open hands, falling at Jesus' feet and begging him for mercy. And the beauty is that he promised that when we do this, he will forgive us and he makes us into a new creation. We're not begging to someone without any idea of the response. Often when we see movies and we see someone groveling around on the floor begging, they're at the mercy of the person and they have no idea whether the person is going to help them or whatever. We're coming begging to the one whom we know is always merciful and gracious when we come to him and ask him for mercy. That's so much better, isn't it? Coming to the one who will forgive us when we come to him asking him for mercy. We're begging to the loving Lord who's promised to forgive us and who's done everything necessary to make that happen by coming to this earth and by coming to die for us. Uh, imagine a beggar who refuses to acknowledge his status as a beggar. Um, he's, he says, I'm fine. Um, and there's someone offering him a free gift. But the beggar in his pride refuses to acknowledge his need for this gift. Unless we, like the beggar, see our need for the gift and receive it with open hands, we'll find ourselves destroyed by our own pride. We need to recognize our need for Jesus and then come to him, not saying, Jesus, I've done all of these good things, so therefore you should love me, but saying, Jesus, please give me your salvation. I trust you. So receive this gift. Secondly, Remember that salvation is a gift. Uh, God's way of salvation has always been the same. It's always been grace through faith in Jesus. It's a gift from God. And uh, when Jesus says in John chapter 14 that no one comes to the Father except through me, that's true of the people in the Old Testament as well, as well as in the New. That time, that statement applies both uh, backwards in history and forwards in history. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, people were saved in the same way as they are in the new, through Jesus. They didn't have the full understanding that we have now, but they knew the Lord and they trusted him and his promised Messiah and the salvation that he offered. Uh, and even, even the Ten Commandments were not given as something to do in order to be saved, but out of thankfulness for salvation. Uh, so back in the Old Testament, God rescued his people out of slavery in Egypt he brought them through the Red Sea. He parted it for them, brought them through, closed it over. He rescued them. And then at the beginning of the Ten Commandments, he says these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land, and the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then he gives the commandments. Do you see there? It's grace first before the commandments. The Pharisees didn't recognize. They didn't recognize that salvation is a gift. They thought it was something to be earned. Uh, something that you could you could do things to be right with God. Uh, when a person doesn't recognize salvation as a gift, their posture before God is entirely different, isn't it? Instead of being humble and asking for mercy with open hands as a beggar, it looks like pride and self-righteousness and entitlement. We need to see the Pharisees as a warning of what it looks like when we don't recognize salvation as a gift. Uh, to think that we could bring about our own salvation, it robs God of his glory. Uh, it rejects the work of Christ on the cross. 
And it amounts to an appeal to God to give us what we deserve, which we must never do. We don't want to get what we deserve based on our credit. We want to get uh, the righteousness that Jesus offers us uh, so that we can be uh, made righteous in him. When we remember that we're beggars before God and that salvation is a gift from him, God is glorified. The work of Christ on the cross is celebrated and we receive mercy from God who loves to save people like us. It's pretty simple, really. Have we received that gift of salvation in Jesus? Have we come to Jesus as a beggar? And have we remembered that we are beggars? Uh, Not remembering that we're beggars looks like pride, puffing ourselves up, looking down on others, being full of entitlement and self-righteousness. Imagine imagine, uh, the beggar receives the free gift and then turns around and claims that he earned it. Imagine, uh, imagine you're at Christmas and um, people are giving the presents out and it comes your turn and, and someone's you know, put a lot of thought into getting you a gift. They give you the gift, you unwrap it and you say, wow, I earned this, didn't I? It's so great. Like, I, I, I actually deserve this. Um, you know, I, d- I don't even remember you giving it to me. This was, this was actually all me. Uh, do you see how crazy that is? Like, and that's just from a human perspective. I mean, like, talk about uh, challenging family Christmases. <laughs> but imagine what that's like when you think about God, who, who gave the ultimate gift, his son, who came. And so easy it is for people to turn around and say, look, we've earned it. We, we deserve this. No, we don't earn Jesus coming. We could never deserve him saving us. It's something we come to him as beggars freely to receive and thank him for. Uh, Then the the other thing I want to add there is that we can reach out to others. Not only we can, we must reach out to others while there is still time with this greatest gift of all. Uh, Sometimes uh, we we can think of evangelism as just awkward conversations with others where we're somehow inconveniencing them in their lives. And yeah, (laughs) I got a yeah from someone. (laughs) Yeah. I know I've thought like that. And while the conversations can indeed be awkward, sure, we aren't inconveniencing people by telling them about the greatest gift of all, are we? The reality is we're telling them about where eternal life is found, life forever in Jesus. Not inconveniencing people at all, but telling them about where they can come to the well and be nourished forever, truly saved and given hope that goes beyond this world. Uh, if, if, you, if you knew the cure to cancer, would you tell people? I'm going to say yes, <laughs> we would. We, we wouldn't hide that and keep that to ourselves. But we have an even more amazing cure, one to cure to our sin, salvation for eternity. We're talking about hope that goes beyond this life. And yet so easy it is for us to hide that and not tell it to others. But when we remember that we've received this gift, we want others to receive that gift too, don't we? We, we don't want to hide it and keep it to ourselves. We want other people to enjoy that gift, enjoy that salvation for eternity with Jesus, being face to face with him. I, um, I have a, a song, the song that we're going to sing in a bit uh, is called Rock of Ages. And there's a verse in this song that perfectly captures what we've been talking about this morning, and I want us to think about that a little bit. Uh, and and, and it's, it's, it's just like what the Syrophoenician woman was like. 
her, her standing before Jesus. And it's just like the standing we need to have before Jesus. These are the words of the, I think it's the third verse. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Saviour, or I die. And those are awesome words that capture this, 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 this nature in which we're supposed to come to Jesus. And the only right way to come to Jesus is to come to him not pleading what we've done or asking to get what we deserve, but with open hands, not bringing anything, but ready to receive his grace, clinging to the cross of Jesus. Because when we look at the cross of Jesus, we see the love of God, the love of God which changes our eternal destiny. Because as, as we read earlier um, in, in, that, in that verse from Romans, what we all deserve is God's judgment. But what is on offer to us is eternal life, face to face with Jesus, enjoying him forever. I was at my high school reunion last night, um, which was fun times. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that I was chatting to some of the guys about was uh, a few of the techie guys, they spend their lives in front of a screen. And they're like, I can't wait to get home and not look at a screen anymore. <laughs> and, they, and, and, and some of the guys um, were saying this, they, they love the face-to-face -face contact. And, and isn't that true for all of us? We, we, we know what that's like. We, we get to spend time with people and, and look them in the eye and see one another and have that face-to-face -face contact. For those of us in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have promised an eternity of face-to-face -face contact with not only one another, but with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. What an awesome eternity that is to look forward to. Uh, so uh, if, you, if you have that eternity, praise God, look forward to it. Live like, uh, like Jesus is coming back because he is. Uh, tell people about this gift. Enjoy the gift. Remember that this gift is ours, not because we've earned it, but because he's graciously given it to us. And if that isn't true for you yet, then I encourage you today, come to Jesus with open hands and receive the gift that he's offering you. It, uh, it, makes, it doesn't make this life easy, but it is worthwhile for eternity, that eternity of looking Jesus in the face and seeing him in all his glory and enjoying him forever. Uh, so if you want to do that now, uh, yeah, you can pray with me now and we'll do that right now. So please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we come to you. We come to you as beggars, Lord, not insisting upon our rights or, or what we think we deserve, but asking, Lord, for you to be gracious and merciful to us. Lord, we are sinners. We walk our own way so often. We mess up. We, we live lives that, that aren't right with you. And we ask that you would be gracious to us, that you would forgive us for this. We come to you not bringing anything uh, of our own, but with open hands, ready to receive the gift. Uh, so, Lord, please forgive us for our sins. Wash us clean by your blood, Lord Jesus. Forgive us and give us a new heart. Lord, for those of us who do already know this truth and hold it dearly in our hearts, remind us each day that salvation is a gift. Help us never to get into a mindset of thinking that we've earned our way. And Lord, we pray that we would reach others with this gift as well, and that you would be pleased to pour out your spirit and turn many hearts to the Lord Jesus, and that we would see even more people uh, when we're, we're face to face with you in eternity. We thank you, Jesus, and we praise your holy name. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen.